Welcome to the Arts Report. My name is Ruby Raven. I'm your host today. Uh, you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM. Today is January 25th. And we are broadcasting to you live from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver campus from the unceded and stolen Musqueam territory. Once again, my name is Ruby Raven, and I'm here today with one of our Arts Reports correspondents, Kimara! Yay! Welcome, Kimara. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today in studio. Um, This is your first time live on the Arts Report, right? First time ever live on arts report, radio, everything. So yeah. Super exciting. So can you give us a little tease about what you're going to be talking about? Um, so I recently <laughs> attended the Little Willie puppet show. Mm-hmm. Initially, I have to be honest, I thought it was a play. <laughs> but imagine you must my shock. Surprised. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I promised I read the website and everything, but for some reason, I thought it was a play. So imagine my shock when I actually went in for the thing and it was a puppet show. Oh, lovely. So yeah, that's what I'll be Little getting into. Little Willie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I've never, I don't even know that there was like a puppet company right? yeah. in the city, so I can't wait to hear about yeah. it. Um, so today on the docket, we, we have a full episode. Sometimes some episodes I'm like, all right, guys, it's time to riff. I'm just kidding. We plan everything meticulously. But today we have, we have a jam-packed episode. So we have a review of Source Amnesia by Lua, an interview with Tom Arthur, the director of programming for Push, uh, w- interviewed by Zoe. We have an interview with Lotano and plus, uh, no, an interview about Lotano plus Isolde from Zoe and Izzy. And an interview with Faye Nass, the co-creator and producer of The Cafe uh, from Zoe. So we have a lot from Zoe this week and a review of Forgiveness from Lua. Uh, So we're talking, we're doing a lot of push festival stuff. That's a lot of what's happening this week. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Yeah, so let's get into it. We, we, we have no time to waste. So the first thing that we're going to hear is, here we go. The first thing we're going to hear is a review of Source Amnesia from Lua. So take it away, Lua. Hello, everyone. This is Lua. And today I'll be talking about Source Amnesia, which just happened this last weekend on January 13th and 14th at the Vancouver Playhouse. And last week we had an interview with the artistic director and choreographer Joshua Beamish. And, you know, he often described during that interview the presentation of the show as vivacious, as vibrant. Um, And surely the show was all of that. It was a really, really interesting performance. I really, really enjoyed it, and it did have all the elements that we talked about where it is an easy performance for someone who isn't necessarily that interested in dance, but it had these physical feats that were beautiful, everything was very well composed, but it had also this very overarching layer of these this very conceptual, um, conceptual idea, I guess. <laughs> of what and where this presentation, the show, this performance was taking us. The show featured five different performers and each of them were incredible. Uh, These performers, I want to name them because they were very good and just beautiful at their art. Renee Seguin of Kid Pivot, uh, former ballet BC dancer Juan Duarte, uh, Evan Rappaport, Calder White and Marisa Cristo George. Uh, Raval Consoles provided the music, and um, Joshua Bemis' previous work was a modern adaptation of the ballet Giselle, which was called At G- Giselle. And seeing, I hadn't seen Giselle, but uh, seeing this show, honestly, I think the ultimate takeaway is that I'm very excited to see what Joshua Bemis brings to the stage again. His work is incredibly compelling and it takes us through all, Source Amnesia specifically, took us through all these different aspects of memory. Uh, There there was a very thoughtful costume change where it juxtaposed 
the dancers. The dancers juxtapose themselves in a way, the same way that memories kind of juxtapose themselves. And so on one side you have these very colorful clothes and on the other these muted tones. And to me, at least as an audience member, it's usually felt like once they were kind of with these more muted tones, they were echoes of memories or echoes of the performance had that was done with the colorful clothes. It wasn't exact copies. It wasn't repetition. It did feel like an echo where you're kind of like you see where it's coming from and slowly it fades and it transforms into something else. Very cool, very fascinating. Something that definitely and entirely caught me by surprise uh, about this performance is that there was almost a stand-up-ish. No, it wasn't really stand-up at all. Uh, but it did have some humor to it. However, at some point, a few points actually, the performance completely stopped. Um, well, the dancing stopped or paused for one or more of the dancers to talk to the audience and tell us a story. Uh, and as they're telling the story, another one of the dancers is like, actually, didn't you say it was this? Didn't you say it was this? Correcting that memory of the story, which was just a fascinating layer to this performance in general. As the story was being told, there was also movement that accompanied and added weight to a lot of the words that were being said, which was really fascinating. And overall, it's just something that ca caught me completely by surprise in a really, really positive way. I'm really excited, like I said before, to see some more of Joshua Beamish's work. And if the praise he got for Giselle and now the praise that I'm currently giving him for this work is is the expectation we set for any of his new work, I think we're going to be in a very good hands. So definitely watch out for anything Move the Company or Joshua Beamish um, creates, because I think it's going to be very good, or I hope so. Uh, but a little bit more about Source Amnesia before I end this segment is that another inspiration for this show, one that I ended up not mentioning in the interview because we focus more on the personal inspiration of Joshua's um, experience with his grandparents' dementia, um, was that another, yeah, sorry, another inspiration was his research into the Icelandic Six, where it was a case where six innocent people fully believed and confessed to committing a murder that they never committed. And the way that Joshua explains it, I think is really interesting. Uh, but essentially, our brains over time separate fact from context and they're stored separately in our memory. I also find that a lot of times, and this is a me saying, um, memory is always is very easily attached to emotion, uh, not necessarily fact. And that was what was conveyed, at least to me, during this show it was that separation that exploration of the separation of memory fact and the emotional weighted responses that we have to that so again source amnesia incredible definitely check out any of joshua beamish's uh, future work it is definitely worth the time and that's it from me today i hope you have an amazing weekend and we'll hear from me next week bye bye all right that was lua with her review of source amnesia thank you so much lua um you are listening to citr 101.9 fm vancouver that's how people who aren't from vancouver pronounce it vancouver wait kimara wait but neither of you are from vancouver say say vancouver vancouver say vancouver vancouver see both of you like put a lot of emphasis on the couve for me i just graze over it vancouver vancouver <laughs> vancouver vancouver yeah all right um so we are gonna just jump right into kimara's review of little willie um so little willie is a twisted retelling i'm reading this for the first time a twisted retelling of romeo and juliet a production of, of ronnie burkett's theater of marionettes so what were your thoughts please take it away 
Okay, so like I said, wasn't expecting it to be a puppet show. So right, that was a surprise. <laughs> it was. I thought it was a play because it's usually at the play, the places with the plays. So it turned out to be a puppet show. So initially, even the set was looking a bit different. So in yeah. my mind, I was like, "Oh, is the set not complete? What's happening?" But the set was actually complete. It's the the set that's set for a puppet show. Um, so just to set the scene for that, um, it's sort of um, a sort a small background. And then there's the there's a board at the front, and then we had the puppet master, I guess, behind the mm. board, and then he has his puppets behind him. <laughs> so, and it's not well. It was a mix of hand puppets and the marionettes, which is the string attached puppets, the ones like dancing at the on the ground. So it was a mix of those two. So that's just um, the scene. Um, yeah, and then. It the puppet show itself is by Ronnie Bucket, I think. Ronnie Bucket. Uh, Burkett. Bucket. Ronnie Bucket, um, and it's a one-man show. He literally operates all the puppets, and including the voices. And he does all the voices. Oh my God. Um, and there are like, I don't know, probably more than ten characters. Um, so the and there's men, women. Um, there wasn't. Too many animals. There was a fairy. There was Jesus. Um, Jesus was there. Jesus was a puppet. <laughs> there was William Shakespeare as a puppet. That's a lot of range. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. The range is quite 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 there actually. Um, so yeah, initially it's like you've described. It's just sort of the play itself is sort of this um, theater or a theater where it's called the Daisy Theater, I think they called it. And I think it's based of a previous um, set he was doing. Um, so the show itself is about the people in the Daisy Theater sort of trying to reenact or their own take on um, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, just as you described. So basically, it's different people trying to bid for the role of Romeo and Juliet in the theater. So that's the premise of the show. So we'll have like the fairy sort of wanting to play Romeo and Juliet. The fairy actually wanted to play both. So Romeo and Juliet. At the same time. So, yeah. sorry, <laughs> the marionette characters yeah. are putting on a production of Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Oh, within the world. It's a theater in a theater. So in that puppet show, it's a theater. And they're all sort of vying yeah. to play Romeo or Juliet or different characters <sighs> in that uh, play. So they're right. trying to reenact it. So it's sort totally. of a parody in a way. But essentially, that's the main thing they're pursuing. The, yeah. pu- the puppet characters, I'd yeah. say. Um, Who was Jesus wanting to play? Jesus was sort of like... <laughs> He, Jesus wasn't wanting to play anyone. Jesus was sort of like, you know, the guy who comes to introduce the the next sort of character or the next sort of comedian. Jesus was that. He was, he was sort the of the like narrator. A, yeah, he was sort of like a segue sort of thing, or like, yeah. So he wasn't really playing anything. And then William Shakespeare. That's Shake- disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see more of Jesus for sure. And then William Shakespeare was just sort of, I guess, William Shakespeare himself, um, sort of. Being like, well, you can't do this. You can't do this. I don't think you're appropriate for Romeo or Juliet. So he just sort of come in to um, direct, direct, and like <coughs> pick pick who he thought was like best. So that was sort of him. But essentially, the whole show was primarily the other characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it was it like funny? Huh. It was. <sighs> I'm like picturing this, and I can't imagine anything other than a really hilarious show. So here's the thing. I think. I think it depends. I think for me, I came into the show as, like, I, I'm, I'm aware of, like, Romeo and Juliet, but I haven't really, like, in my curriculum, sat down to actually read it or anything. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of context there that someone who hasn't watched it, I think, would miss. Right. Like, there were in-jokes right. for people who right. really yeah. understood Shakespeare I think, I think and really understood. I think the people who are deep in that world, like, mm. I think there was in-jokes for them, but I think it wasn't excluding either to people who've not. Okay, good. So there's still things here and there you'll catch, but, you know, there's things I could, like, the whole crowd was going wild, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I got that. <laughs> but that's primarily So people were enjoying it as a comedy. Yes. I think it was very funny. I think I'd, it, it was, like, weird funny. It was very raunchy, very, like, um, 
you, I, I think in, in today, in 2023, it might be like instances of politically incorrect, which I feel like he was very bold about it, though. Um, very satirical as well. Very engaging. And he also like um, called some people from the audience to participate. So we'll have like an, uh, an instance where he got two guys, got them shirtless, and then got them sort of like puppeteering as well alongside him um but i think he's charming enough such that it's not it doesn't come across um weird or something Mm -hmm. um he'll also have i think he also had two other people from the audience sort of like help him with a band type of puppets uh place type thing that happened so it was very engaging and he often addressed the audience in that sense so in that sense i did think it was quite funny quite engaging it has to be the oddest thing I've seen in a while. <laughs> I have to say, like, it's just, I, I just call it odd and weird, but odd and weird in a very good way, I think. What? I think if you haven't, like, seen a puppet show, this would be a very good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think the show was, like, trying to do or say? Or do you think it was just entertainment? I think, I think, because hmm, he did say it was a bit... I think it's more improv. He improvises, mm-hmm. so it's it's sort of a different show mm. every night um, within reason. Of course, there's like things that are constant, but it's a different show every night. And of course, you see, he makes use of the audience, so he's even calling like four different people into the show every night. So in that sort of way, it changes. But ideally, I do think the point of this show was just purely entertainment. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it's a good show if you're just like. Wanting to be entertained, wanting to like, you know, um, listen to something that has a bit of, I guess, Shakespeare sort of um, entertainment in it, but not really as well. Um, it's, 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 it was just a good time. I think it's just a good time show is what it is. Okay. Yeah. My, my final question for you mm-hmm. uh, is, were the puppets speaking Shakespearean English? At some point, yes. There's like <laughs> bits and bits of like, I think, some of, some of all, them speaking, but... But what they're doing, but but they only speak that type of English when they're auditioning for the role, Um, right? So like when they're talking to Mr. Shakespeare and they're trying to audition for, say, the balcony scene or the place where um, Romeo and Juliet dies, that sort of part, they'll talk in that sort of language, which still is a bit funny how they do it. But essentially, it's just normal English, normal theater talk. Um, so it's a bit, it's it's generally understandable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts and your critiques on the show. If any of the listeners want to go and be thoroughly entertained, it thank sounds you. like. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, it, the show is on for another four days until January 29th. Yes. So uh, go check out. Little Willie at the Colch. Um, it's a puppet show, improvised Romeo and Juliet with marionettes. So it has it all. Yes, and it also has very, very, very beautiful puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think was a different component as well that had me like, oh, those things are actually beautiful, visually compelling. The, yeah, they move very like beautifully as well. I think it's overall like you'll appreciate. The content, yeah. um, the puppets. There's something for everyone, basically. Oh, nice. yeah. Okay, amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you so much, Kimara. Well, well done. That was that was Kimara's first time live. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. Could not tell. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant work. Um, okay, we're going to go into a little PSA break for a hot second. Also, Phoebe has joined us. I'm sorry if I didn't announce you before, but Phoebe is here. Do you want, do you want to say hi? I snuck into the room late. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to play some a PSA, and we'll be right back. Do you want to change the state of the world? But instead you keep buying material goods to satisfy whatever desire you have in that very moment? Me too. But now you can do both. Rock Shop and Community Thrift is a local vintage shop that fulfills your 1970s all-chic fantasy while also supporting at-risk people through their compassionate and supportive work training program. All of their profits go to the PHS Community Services Society to support ongoing health care, harm reduction, and health promotion projects in Vancouver and Victoria. 
So stop by their two locations, Community Unisex on West Hastings or Community Frock Shop on Corral Street. And if you know any other local businesses that deserve recognition for their generous business practices or their contributions to the community, please DM us on Instagram at CITR and Discorder because we would love to spotlight them. Because hey, if you can't stop buying, you might as well start supporting. Wow, wasn't you want that to change just the sta- oh, a really brilliant PSA? I wonder who who wrote that, who voiced that, who organized the partnership with that business. I don't know who they are, but I bet they're really beautiful. Really talented. <laughs> really talented and uh, amazing. Okay, so Phoebe, um, you are here today to talk about your review of the Deanna Dykeman Leaving and Waving Um with there was an artist talk on Thursday. So uh please introduce this and tell us what it was about. Yeah, so uh on Thursday nineteenth there was a uh artist talk and I believe opening of the exhibition at the Polygon Gallery. Um and uh it was really great to hear from Deanna Dykeman herself talk about the exhibition because you always get a lot more nuance and, and the story behind it matters a lot to me when I see an exhibition. Um, so it was really, really lovely to be able to yeah. uh, hear her talk. And the, it was packed as well. It was very well attended opening, um, which is always nice to see. Uh, but yeah, it's a really beautiful exhibition um, as my introduction to start it off. I would say it it's very intimate, very personal. Um, the description of it I suppose is that she took she's a photographer um, and most of most of the work is film but she transitioned at some point to digital so I think like the first two-thirds black and white and then kind of as as we go on in time turns to color but every year she took a photo of her parents um, as she was saying goodbye anytime she visited uh, and so as you walk uh, through the exhibition you see her parents aging, you see fashion changing, uh, you see moods changing. Um, at some point she has a son appear and suddenly there's a baby. By the end of the exhibition, he's driving the car. Uh, it's a it's a intense condense emotional condens- condensation condensement of time. Condensation. Uh, time is condensed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a in a in a very touching way, uh, as you walk through, mm-hmm. and the fashion's great and the colors are great as well. So mm-hmm. that's just fun to look at. Yeah, but yeah it's touching. Awesome. At, at some point, uh, she loses her her father, and so there's all of these photos with the two of them waving together. And then at some point, it's just her mom. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and she she talked about that moment a lot um, in in the speech she gave, where uh, her mom didn't want to keep doing the photos. Uh, she was like, please, please, no more, no more. I can't, I can't do it. The the first year that she tried, she tried to take a photo as she was leaving, um, but she said, "Mum, no, we 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 must, the, we must go, we must, <laughs> we must." And it, it's really beautiful. It's, I'm glad she did because it kind of it just shows how they moved through. Yeah, but yeah, it's a beautiful exhibition. That sounds sure. really beautiful. I've been thinking about this a lot recently in terms of artists doing things that allows the consumer of the art to put them in in the artist's place right so like thinking about oh if i i wish i had a photo of my parents every single year for the past 27 years what would that look like and then you sort of imagine your own life as if this was something you'd done yeah. or oh that it's so nice to have a photo of my son every year while he grows up or how heartbreaking it would be to have my father in all these pictures and then suddenly gone so like i was really as you even though i haven't seen the exhibit exhibition exhibit like just you telling me like the emotion behind all of this art was making me feel the emotion it sounds really powerful yeah, no, I was uh, not in a bad way. I was almost worried it would before I went that it would seem like I was just looking through someone else's family photos. Mm. Um, but because she is a photographer, she's an artist uh, that presented deliberately, it, it doesn't feel like that at all. It, it really is very touching. And, and like you said, uh, almost strange to be looking into something so personal. Yeah. I, I've never seen an artist have their parents as the subject. 
Yeah. Um, Somehow that feels more personal than like their own nudity or something. Yeah. Because people's relationships with their parents are really personal. <laughs> Very much so. It's 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 less about. It's almost like another life for some people. It's mm-hmm. it's a very powerful thing to share. Yeah, yeah. And the sub pictures, like, what was the setting exactly? Is it in their home? Um, so it's it's the same uh, the same sort of. Uh, it's not quite the same framing, but you know, same scene, I guess. Okay. Uh, okay. For every every photo she takes, and it is from her car, mm-hmm. uh, shot out of her car window mm-hmm. towards the house, and okay. so. Sometimes, sometimes they'll be waving like up close. Sometimes they'll be standing at the door or in the the garage. But yeah, mm. yeah. From what I saw, like uh, of some of the images, because I've been following this exhibit, I've been wanting to see it. Um, it, it looks so staged. Yeah, um, it it wasn't initially. Oh, yeah. so part okay. I thought it wasn't at all. The parts of it were staged. Well, not not staged so much. I, I guess I guess I, in, I interpreted that wrong. Um, but she she didn't deliberately start this project. I guess that's what I mean. Oh, right, right, right. She just she sort of did it for a few years and was like, oh, this can actually be like a passage of time. Like, yeah. But but, but what yeah. I mean is like the images themselves. Like, there's this one here. Here, I'll show you guys with like her mother in like this oh, yeah. pink shirt, purple shorts. The house is red. The lawn is perfectly cut. Her father is standing in the background in this symmetrical fashion to his, her mother, who's who's much closer to the camera. And it, it looks super staged just because of how, like, visually pleasing it is. Um, so that's what was kind of compelling for me about when I, when I was reading about the exhibit. And I definitely do want to go check it out now that you've told me, uh, like, how powerful it is. Um, but that's also kind of exciting that these were just, like... And it makes it so adorable. Like, this is just, like, how her parents are. <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe a part of why it looks like that is because uh, of the... She was explaining the the emotion behind when she left uh, was, was quite tough for her parents to deal with, especially her mom. Mm. So every time she had to say goodbye, uh, they would cry a lot and they'd be very, very sad. Mm. And so uh, it started out accidentally because she would take a photo and that would kind of uh make them not force them but you know that they would have to smile and and put on a good face (laughs) yeah and wave for the camera and so maybe that is why it looks a little staged because they they would they were were performing yeah and they have done it if you really think about it they've taken this picture for years so at some point i think she also learned like okay so this is where to stand yeah you know just like sort of naturally like okay this is how i do it this is how I wave goodbye yeah. or something. Yeah. But not necessarily that it's staged. But yeah. I think you've done it for like, how many years did they do it for? 27. Oh yeah, 27. 27. Oh, she definitely knew it by heart, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Got into the routine. Yeah. But yeah, no, I also liked how uh, um, she talked about focusing on, I wrote down a quote. I'm looking for it right now in my notes. Um, f- photographing the familiar is what she was mm. talking about and... I think that really comes through as, as a, a way you can appreciate uh, your own surroundings and your own life and your own house. I've gotten to the pictures where her father's died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. No, it's like, oh. it's, it, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I'm just, I, no. my heart is breaking. Because that, that's, that's what I love about this is like, you feel for her. It's relatable. It's so human and mundane. Like, we all bye when we're like saying goodbye to our parents we're when we live in different places from them it's just so quaint the very last photo uh there is no one outside the house (gasps) oh (sighs) wait i'm getting there i'm getting there oh there's her son oh he's cute (laughs) 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 okay i'm getting to it yeah she's all alone oh yeah the photos are in color now Oh, she, she's looking. So now both her mom and dad. Yeah, well, they were quite old. Both, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it must have been. Oh, yeah, so this last picture, she's sitting in a rocking chair. Oh, she is there. My bad. No, 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 no. So sorry. Like, now she's sitting in a rocking chair. Now she's taking a picture of her leaving from her old folks' home. Like, they've oh, they've yeah, left the house. Yeah. Now she's in an old folks' home, old folks' home, old folks' home. Old folks home. And then it just stops. And then there's just the house. Because the house must have been sold. Yeah. (sighs) 
<laughs> what a journey. That is so heartbreaking. But also it's just like real and heartwarming and like it's just all of it. It's just life. Yeah. So I think real. it's I think it's very beautiful because I think I'm also at a stage where like I'm seeing my parents age. Mm, yeah. And so you know, it's something you think of often you know it's coming yeah so what i would do now to actually have pictures of my parents through the years i think it's the most beautiful thing what yeah. she has totally yeah. it yeah it's interesting i think like at our age we're in our like early mid 20s to start seeing your parents like plan for their elderly years mm-hmm, and yeah. like start to think of themselves as more elderly mm-hmm. um which is weird like for me at least i'm like oh this is a real shift that's happening yeah, no, same with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 like, it's not even a minor shift. It's like, because I think my parents are like, just entering their 60s. Yeah, same. So with, it's like, yeah. my parents there's are the late planning 50s. and there's also the physical, like there's yeah. things they can't do anymore already. Yeah. There's like, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So it's like, very like, okay, this is where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is, it is, it's the most human experience. Yeah. Um, especially like to to go through it as like each stage, you know, like our parents went through it with their parents. Exactly. And I still feel like my parents are in that stage where they're because, you know, middle age is about like you're taking care of your children and your parents. Mm-hmm. And I, my parents are at least my mother is still taking care of her mother. Yeah. So that is still happening. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I think when there's an older generation, it helps you feel a little more like there's still some barrier between your parents and being old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Heavy stuff. <sighs> Heavy stuff. But beautiful stuff. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. stuff. Yeah. Life is beautiful. Aging is beautiful. Love is beautiful. Parents, beautiful. Relationships with parents, beautiful. Okay, well, on that note, thank you so much, Phoebe, for your commentary on leaving and waving. Anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up? Um, just that I recommend go seeing it. It is showing until... Hello? When is it showing until... It is showing until... It's at the Polygon. Yeah. From Oh, until April 2nd. From oh, January nineteenth wow. okay. until April second, so there's so much time to go see this exhibit. Go check it out. Super powerful stuff. All right, now we're gonna launch into another review. We're gonna do a review of the cafe, or we're doing an interview. An interview from Zoe and Izzy of the cafe that's a part of Push Festival. Take it away, Zoe and Izzy. So we are here with Faye Nass, Artistic and Executive Director of Aquatic Theatre and co-creator and producer of the cafe. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, Okay. perfect. Um, Well, let's get started. So we understand that you crafted the concept of the cafe, um, which we are absolutely blown away by. We are really into this concept. So based off of the push description, it's an incredibly interesting and revolutionary show. Can you describe to our viewers just the concept of it and how it's organized? Sure. Um, Yes, I wrote the concept of the cafe uh, many years ago. And basically, um, when I was like, like almost over a decade ago, uh, but it is a, you know, complicated show. So it took a long time to find right partners to uh, create it. Um, it's like basically went into development four years ago when Aquatic Theater reached out to It's a Zoo. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wrote the concept um, while back when I was focusing on my master thesis um, around the notion of like cultural diversity, but like proximity and how, um, you know, often in the theater, the audience uh, does not have the same agency. Uh, you go to this like dark room with a bunch of strangers and the relationship between the audience, the viewer and the performers is quite set. Uh, in terms of this engagement. And so I wanted to kind of work with this notion of like erotica spaces and how uh, there is a space in which, uh, as Laura Marx puts it in her book, uh, The Skin of Film, that it is about the giving and the receiving and the oscillation between the two spaces mm-hmm. and uh, and how that space in between is erotic because you are anticipating to receive something and then giving that. And so as I was thinking about these ideas of proximity, how do we get close and how do we choose our proximity further or closer, 
um, I was like, you know, thinking about these ideas a lot in the coffee shops. And uh, and I'm originally from Iran. And uh, for me, uh, coffee shops have always been very, very important spaces. I've been here most of my life, but a lot of political conversations that take place in coffee shops. And even though these spaces are often looked at as neutral spaces or they are not necessarily activated by any kind of like essence of politics, but inside them, they hold a lot of diversity, uh, a lot of conversations that uh, actually, you know, move cultures forward or uh, perhaps exist on like, you know, margins of the culture. And so I was kind of like interested in this idea of like how we often think about art as like, you know, taking a steps further in terms of like, you know, how we view EDI, inclusion, diversity and access. But there are these spaces that they try to not be anything, but they actually hold uh, many of the conversations that we are having often on the, on panels and symposiums and in like academia about how we can be together in the same space with those that are different from us. Um, so the cafe was kind of like, you know, the mismatch of these concepts as a space in which the audience will be invited to come in and eavesdrop by permission uh, to be a voyeur and get close, depending on whatever proximity they are comfortable, to see a play that, uh, from a beginning to an end. We have uh, seven plays, uh, different lengths, written by nine playwrights, uh, two of them are co-written. And, and uh, all of them are pretty much diverse voices, like uh, people people of color, people who speak English as a second language, um, you know, with uh, different gender and sexuality, um, ident like, you know, intersections and preferences. And so, um, you know, audiences of all walks get a chance to kind of get, get you know, closer to these uh, very genuine and honest conversations. Right. <laughs> uh, they also have the agency to get up and, you know, go around and see something else uh, or like really, you know, grab a glass of wine or you know, a cup of tea and just like, you know, see the whole thing like in a, in a more like a helicopter style, um, like view it and, uh, as it unfolds. Um, so while the actors are still kind of maintain a notion of like fourth wall, uh, so it's not, you know, interacting with the audiences, the audience, they get a chance to, uh, yeah, like be part of conversations that they otherwise would not feel permitted to listen to. Uh, so it was pretty much like around those ideas. And then it was a matter of like finding the right playwrights and uh, putting it together in terms of how these scenes intertwine and like you know move and how the audience moves through the space yeah <laughs> fantastic um thank you for sharing that i think it's really cool the idea of the immersive performance art rather than the detached and on the topic of the vignettes that you mentioned so we understand that there's seven different ones as you said are they connected storylines or are they supposed to be completely separate and as well, I, I understood from the website that there might be different languages there. So you talked about like being able to connect with different peoples, but could you go into more detail on the desired effect? Sure. Um, so yes, the seven plays are not necessarily related. So there's no like a through line that kind of connects them, except the fact that there is a physical space that connects them. So, right. you know, as a conversation, for example, gets louder or quieter, how we, you know, as human beings, again, like, you know, relate to each other, to the you know the sense of like violence in the space or the sense of like uh, you know um like a sexual you know in the space and how like the actors are you know as we have rehearsed they do clock each other in like as we would in an actual coffee shop the same way that the audience would as well uh but in terms of like the throw line or storyline they're not uh they're in some ways like i would say like viscerally or emotionally connected through the space yeah. um and to answer your second question uh so there are different languages. Most of most of them are mixed language, and a lot of my work before this work as well. I'm very interested in the idea of not translation, um, because you know often uh, we often we privilege English, or you know people that they speak English as a second language. They're like working really hard to uh, you know come to these spaces that are not accessible uh, and still support the art. So I'm really interested in. Um, like people that are prominent, prominently English speakers to do that work a little bit uh, and uh, to like, you know, not have everything literally uh, translated to them. Uh, you can still like, you know, the, the, all, the, all the pieces are basically like two of them are mixed languages, but um, you really have, you know, if you are paying attention, you have no difficulty uh, following through uh, not speaking Spanish, for example, or not speaking Polish. Uh, in fact, the miscommunication through language is very much embedded in one of the pieces that is Spanish and in English, mm -hmm. uh, which is a piece that my, myself and uh, uh, Diana Garcia um, Hernandez wrote, uh, and very much was about that. 
um, yeah, so uh, kind of like the also like the feeling that comes through language and the way that language changes the form uh, of storytelling, like, because it's like often like the, the ways that we think or see differently, uh, that is very much you know influenced by language. So I wanted to kind of explore those things. And we didn't, I mean, for the most part, all we told playwrights is like, you know, we love you as a playwright. We want to commission you, write what you wish to write, which is very much like the practice that apodic theater does um to you know not kind of tokenize people like you know hey you're iranian canadian we want you to write about iran you know like but rather of like what do you want to write and so in some of them their first language was you know they it, like uh weaved in and in some you won't even see perhaps you won't see literally any of uh, the writer's personality or intersections but uh right. it's definitely sensed there in the script um so yeah well, this sounds like an incredible show, and I'm really excited to see how it sounds very, very human. It sounds very like I'm excited to see, um, especially with the languages and language barriers and how there's miscommunication there. I'm really excited to see what was it like working with with um, a team of people on such an, an immersive show? Uh, you know, incredible uh, and uh, scary uh, because, you know, we have 14 playwrights, uh, nine, nine playwrights, 14 actors, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the whole team together is like 35. And, um, you know, as I said, Aphotic Theater is a small company, it's basically me. Um, and so, yeah, it has been a lot, but also it's been really exciting to have the time to develop. Like I find like, you know, often in, in, in the kind of like Canadian style of development and producing you get like three weeks and then like the show goes up and uh, we really uh because the show was so huge and we needed to raise so much fun for it in a sense it kind of uh it feels like a very kind of european style of development in that sense of like you know we started in 2000 and i think 18 19 when we commissioned the playwrights and like for a year we were just working with them and uh, dramaturging the pieces uh, between myself and Sebastian and then like you know getting into casting finding the right coffee shop and uh, by the time the show was supposed to be at like uh, push uh, 20 uh, 21 I believe uh, that you know things changed and then it didn't happen 2022 uh, Omicron happened so really when you think about it the piece has been in development for five years mm -hmm. and it means that like uh, you know a lot of the actual changes that we dealt with. And I really appreciate what you said in terms of the piece being human. Like, you know, for example, we realized we're working with the public space. So dramaturgically, some of the scenes, uh, you know, the idea of hand sanitizer or masks or like the playwrights were super flexible and wonderful to work with to bring those elements in. And then yeah. by the time that like, you know, now we're doing it again, some of those like very strict elements don't make sense either, you know? Uh, so we were able to kind of like uh, be malleable and change, which is kind of like that kind of flexible space is uh, very much part of like uh, my practice and the practice that I love uh, to just like not be fixated on things and to be able to yeah. collaborate and uh, to, you know, look at the process as fluid as, uh, as, you know, I like fluid in terms of everything. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And then it was a matter of for finding 14 people. And so like, you know, the casting and everything, yeah. uh, it was a full, full, uh, full on project. And I hope that it has a future life, but it is a, you know, a show with so many artists involved. We were able to pay artists and do workshops at the time that most artists in the city didn't have a gig mm -hmm. right in the midst of the pandemic. So that was really exciting to be able to get together, even in a form of workshop. Um, and uh yeah and then to see that if it can you know have any kind of future after this with with the size that it holds and the limited audience you know it's yeah like, yeah it's wow. yeah that is that sounds incredible and like such an experience to produce and there are so many moving parts which is just amazing and that's i guess part of the importance of the experience and of being in a cafe um because it is so unique we're wondering if there's a mindset that you would like your viewers to enter the show with and further, if there's a message you're looking for them to leave with specifically, or is it just kind of a more subjective piece? That's a very good question. I would say like, you know, because the piece is happening, um, you know, I, I, I feel and, you know, it's my, my own personal experience that uh, there are these like um, kind of social agreements that we build and they're different culturally, different cultures. Uh, but in Vancouver, I feel there is like a level of like, you're kind of afraid of other humans or like, you know, this yeah. like, you know, notions of politeness that uh, kind of like creates sense of distance or like, you know, remove us 
uh, from wanting to kind of engage more with things. Uh, and so I think like, yes, of course it is subjective. And like, you know, the whole idea of like agency, like if people don't want to be too close to people, they're more than welcome to stand in the corner. But I would say like, you know, if there is that like, you know, a uh, little voice or like, you know, a uh, little feeling inside you that you're like, oh, I wish I lived in a city that was a bit more warm and I could get closer. Like, I just want people to know that the whole, uh, you know, point of this piece is that you are having that permission to feel empowered to sit as close as you want uh, to the performers, like to the, like, you know, the chair, like not on their labs, uh, yeah. of course, respecting their, uh, you know, uh, consent and privacy but like you know there are chairs that are set up and I would like you know there are nights that we see that audiences all sit back and it is such a social piece that like as soon as like more people stand back you see like the everyone is a standing back because then it's like oh it's a gallery exhibition kind of situation am I allowed to touch this piece in the art gallery so I just wanted to say that yes you're allowed you're allowed to sit back you're allowed to stand you're allowed to get close to move around uh, many people have expressed that they sometimes felt bad when they didn't finish a scene and they wanted to like you know oh, I feel that for the performers the performers recognize the form and uh, the pieces do repeat so uh just yeah follow follow what is comfortable and uh enter with no assumption and with a sense of curiosity would be my advice and uh and I hope that they leave the space with more curiosity and less assumptions. Yeah. Nice. Well, we don't want to hold you for too long. So we do have one more question. And, um, sure. you know, we understand with this being an incredibly layered show about uh, society and relationships and um, community, this may be a somewhat difficult question. But what are maybe three to five words that that come to mind when when you think of this show and the message that that you want to send and, and and what you want people to leave with? I would say um, the show is about how like we, like it's about like, you know, being human, mm -hmm. um, existing cross differences and uh, to be able to appreciate uh, the diversity that exists in our city um, and to really hope to uh, reduce the pre-assumptions that we make about each other um, mm -hmm. and to invite us to get closer to each other as human beings and to encourage empathy. That's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here with us today. It's truly a unique piece. We're very excited about it and very excited for it to be in Vancouver and we're going to tell our friends and it's just such a great thing that you're doing. Yeah. And thank you for your time. It really means a lot. Yeah. Thank you so of much. Course. Thank you both. I hope you get to experience it. And uh, thank you for wonderful questions. Really appreciate it this time. Hello, everyone. This All right. Um, <coughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Fully just coughed into the mic. Um, well, that is our show for the day. For this week, we are moving our show to bi-weekly this semester. So there won't be an episode next week, but there will be an episode the following week. Uh, uh, if you're driving home from work right now, I hope you had a good day. I'm feeling really wiped. I had a very busy day. Wednesdays are a busy day for me. So if you're also feeling wiped, I hope that you take care of yourself when you go home. You eat something delicious. I personally am going to eat some butter chicken with naan. If you want to eat like, you know, like a burrito or like some artichoke dip or like some pork dumplings or something good that feeds your soul I hope that you do that and I hope that it's everything that you dreamed of <laughs> okay um she's getting a little loopy so we're gonna head out we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna start the car okay <laughs> all right bye accelerated program accelerated programming since 1937 
Something sticky, sweet. Say 